0: Hello and welcome to Fit For My Age, the health and well-being podcast from work, work, work.works, which is produced by Abbasida. I'm your host, Michael Millward, Managing Director of Abbasida. As the jingle at the start of this podcast says, Fit For My Age is made on Zencaster. When Abbasida started podcasting during lockdown, the team thought it would be a bit of fun it turned out to be a huge learning curve. If we had waited, it would have been a lot easier because now you can use Zencastr. So, if you have thought about podcasting before and want to avoid the costs and the learning curve, use Zencastr like us. With Zencastr's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast in one place and distribute it to Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google, and the other major destinations. Zencaster also has a great support team. If you would like to try podcasting using Zencaster, visit zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use the Abaceda offer code Abaceda. All the details are in the description. Now that I've told you how wonderful Zencaster is for making podcasts, we should make a podcast. In this episode of Fit for My Age, my guest is. Nicole Berschbach from thetotalpotential.com. Hello, Nicole.
1: Hi, Michael. How are you?
0: I'm very well. Thank you very much. I hope you can say the same.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Great, great. Can we start by you explaining a little bit about who Nicole Bershbach is? And please, could you tell us what thetotalpotential.com is?
1: I mean, it's kind of an interesting winding road that has led me into the space I'm in in uh, with Total Potential in the health and wellness space, but I've been interested in health and wellness since I was a high school athlete. I wanted to pursue a career in dietetics, which I did for about seven years after I had become a registered dietitian and then stayed home for a few years to raise my babies And as I was starting to, you know, think about getting back into the working world, I really just didn't know if I could continue to work in disease management, not because it's not incredibly important work. It just didn't light my hair on fire the way I was uh, looking to spend time. If I was going to remove myself from the family, you know, for any period of time, I really wanted it to be something that was meaningful and so uh, I actually was having this conversation with my brother going round and round about all of the things that are told to us about health and wellness, about eating well, about working out, about getting enough sleep, about uh, changing our mindset and you know all of these things that we're supposed to do and both my brother and I had young families at the time and we we're like, well this is all fine and well, but this doesn't actually work in families. Like if I go to the gym for three hours after work at night, who's with my children? <laughs> like there's this huge gap. And so that really became this source of, wow, there's this huge area that no one talks about. No one talks about what it's like to still try to become the best version of yourself in the context of your family. And if we need it, other people need it. And so, yeah, I ended up becoming a, a yoga instructor and getting certified as a coach to be able to address those mindset and, uh, you know, performance areas. And so, yeah, I have my toe in lots of different parts of wellness. But this area with family has been a really mm-hmm. critical aspect, not only for myself, but just an area where I see a huge opportunity for all of us to really take what's right in front of us and use that as a way to become our very best, not instead of it, but but alongside it and because of it.
0: When I first saw the information about the total potential and the work that you're doing, I thought, this is new, I've not seen this before. No one else is talking about how mm-hmm. as individuals, we are also parts of families. And that is a key important part of our health and well-being, or how we communicate the the connections that we make with other people. I see it, you know, you talked about sleep and diet and exercise, but our social interactions are also a very important part of our health and well-being. And I know that in the past, I've heard stories of of people who told me that, oh, I can't be promoted, I'm not married, I'm single, so my career at this organization will be limited because I haven't got a family, or I'm married but I haven't got children, so my career will be limited there are all sorts of different pressures on people to be part of a family but then it seems that the family is a hindrance to the next stage in the career also it's there's a whole balancing act that we've got that essentially we get wrong don't we
1: yeah you know somebody told me this a long time ago and it's it's advice that has really stuck with me and uh, I have used it as a way to navigate choices that I make. This is when I was leaving my career as a dietitian, and I was saying goodbye to one of the patients as I was uh, you know, getting ready to leave, and and she said, I'm really happy for you. She said, you know, you can, you can have it all, but you can't have it all at once. And that has been so critical because we are told we can do it all. We're told we can have it all. And number one, I think we need to get really, really clear about what that looks like and why anything we choose is important enough for us to try to have, you know, lots of different things in different areas of life. But to really be mindful that I had this chance to really sink my teeth into what is it like to be a good mother? What does it look like for me to be a good wife? And it didn't mean that I couldn't have a career. I, I, I of course, have a career. But it meant that I had a chance to take a pause and think about something different and really start to get clear about what are the choices I want to make around career and family and myself. Like, how does that all come together? And I think for a lot of us, we feel like we don't get to make that choice. However, there is um, once we get clear about why we're making any specific choice, then we have a lot more freedom because if what I want to choose is a big career, awesome go get that career but just be clear that that is still a choice about the family if you have a family and it's not, there's no judgment there's not one that's better or worse than the other it's just to start being clear that it is a choice and we're making those choices whether or not we're sitting down and really consciously deciding the choice is still being made so let's take some of that power back into our own control and make those choices for ourselves rather than just unconsciously
0: Yes, you're reminding me of an incident that happened a few years ago now on the high street in the village where I live. I live in a village which is surrounded by smaller villages. So all of the different schools, primary schools for the area are in my village. And mm-hmm. you know, we will you know, at certain times of the day, the whole village is full of primary school aged children and there's all, so much energy and one day I'm walking down the high street and there's this little lad who says to the, the adult that's with them, why does my mom never come and pick us up from school? Hmm. And she looks at him and she says, well, your mom's got a really important job. There's all sorts of things that come out of that as a statement to make to a child. But there is a realization that you cannot have it all at the same time. If somebody makes a choice that their career is something that they want, there will be something else that has to give.
1: There are only 24 hours in the day.
0: (laughs) This is true. This is true. But from what you're saying as well, I think it's, it's, for me, part of it was that we're all part of a family, Hmm. whether that's a large one or a small one. We're all part of a family, a birth family or a chosen family. And what you're saying is that if we want to change our own life and be the best version of us, that has to be done or has more of a chance of success if we do it within the context of the family, the community in which we live and getting those people to join us on that journey.
1: A hundred percent. When you think about how you even behave within the context of your home and with your family compared to how you choose your behavior like at work or out in the world, you'll see really, really quickly that you allow more of yourself the good, the bad, the, you know, every part of the spectrum will be exposed within the family. And that's one of the reasons doing the work within the context of the family is so incredible because we can't hide from ourselves. We don't have the chance to, you know, put on our mask that we wear in our professional environment and then take it off when we get home when we get home, that mask is already off. And so, I mean, there's just so much awareness that can be built about how you show up, how you show up when uh, certain types of things happen. Where are the places where you feel happy? Where are the places where your buttons get pressed? And holy Hannah, it happens every day and you almost can't control it. I mean, these are awarenesses that if we just are willing to embrace them as an awareness, we can... Change the whole of our life. Like, oh, interesting. I actually don't love that I feel impatient every time chorus of mom is happening in the background. Okay, well, that's super interesting. So what I want to feel is patient and I don't feel that. How might I start to shift my experience? What might I ask the family for if everyone needs mom at the same time? Like these, these Don't feel like game changing areas, but if you change that one experience and you get to experience patience with your children as your mode of operation, that bleeds into every other area of your life. And so I think we just underestimate the power of really what it looks like to do the work and be willing to let the awarenesses that family life brings to us be our starting line let that be your starting point of how you want to start to grow yourself in relationship with the people that you love most
0: yes I was smiling when you talked about buttons being pressed <laughs> <laughs> often as an HR professional I go into a department and they'll be told oh it's one big happy family here and, and I know you know that that means that they're all arguing all the time and it means that they care about each other it means that there's an element of respect and all sorts of positive things. But it also means that because, let's use the word love each other, that they respect each other, that they, they care about each other, that when the pressure is on, they will say things to those people because they know that that person's still going to be there. It's the same as in a family. You, know, you We are perhaps, I suppose, cruelest to the people that we love the most. We know that they're there. They're not going to go away. I suppose what you're talking about is that if we if we're going to have successful lives, we need to be thinking about the communication and the teamwork that exists within the family. We might go on a team working or team leadership course at work, but we also need to transfer those teamwork and communication skills into the family home as well.
1: Absolutely, and you hit on the you know the point of communication. I think when we're Starting to really shift our perspective on family and seeing it and the dynamic of it as an opportunity for growth. I think communication is the thing that will most quickly trip someone up because let's say me as the mom and wife want to uh, even just start working out if that hasn't already been part of my practice if I, if that's unspoken and all of a sudden i'm just doing that but i haven't talked to my partner or husband about why or why it's important to me or invited the kids to participate in some way or you know all these these aspects that make it a shared experience rather than just my own experience number 1 i've left a lot on the table because the chance of being able to grow especially if I'm thinking about with my partner or older children, because I share why I want to do something, why I want to take on something hard, what do I want to change? There's a lot for others to experience in those conversations as well. So that's a huge piece of communication. But the other part that can happen, and unfortunately we see this in tons of families, is that one person will take on some kind of a new practice, some kind of a growth experience, and do it sort of in spite of the family, without the family, and the family implodes behind them. And that's an experience that, number one, I don't think any of us are necessarily trying to have. And number two, it, it leaves behind where the actual huge part of the growth can be. Because if that, if that makes me uncomfortable in my family environment, oh, isn't that so interesting? What is it about change that we're resisting? What what does everyone else believe? Because I want to do this, you know, one healthy thing, but they feel like they don't get to be part of it. What does everyone else think about that? What do they tell themselves about that? But if there's not conversation and we don't have open communication about these things, everything can just almost collapse in on itself. And so to your point, I mean, that communication piece is, you know, it's like the axis of the wheel. It's a critical aspect.
0: Yeah, it sounds almost as if, when you're describing that scenario, for me, it sounded as if the decision to do something by one person within the family is not an isolated incident. It's almost as if that is the outcome of the failure to communicate, perhaps over a period of time, a lengthy period of time. So you get to the point where I operate in isolation to them, they operate in isolation to me. And I suppose, in some ways, when I think back, you know, as I suppose a lot of people would probably s- say yes to this, is that when children enter those teenage years and are part of the development is is developing your own personality, doing things without everyone else, it can, I suppose, bring a lot of pressure onto a family relationship that in those pre-teenage years might have been a lot stronger and a big challenge how do people cope with 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 that natural evolution of characters and personalities within a, within a family
1: so two things number one back to that awareness piece we have to be clear like what am i telling myself about what that other person should be experiencing what they should be believing how they should behave right we have all these things happening in our mind that actually have nothing to do with the other person but we make all kinds of assumptions about them so we really have to increase our own internal awareness of what we're telling ourselves about uh, the other people in our household the other aspect so awareness is superpower number one the second superpower is curiosity I cannot tell you how critical it is to ask questions, new questions, different questions, weird questions of the people in our house and make absolutely no assumption about how they will
0: respond. What you're saying then is that one of the mistakes that we make is assuming that other people see the world as we see it and will behave in the same way as we do. And that in itself reduces or limits our curiosity about how they might be experiencing the world and forgetting that we were actually teenagers once ourselves.
1: 100%. And, you know, through all of those developmental stages, imagine having a space where when you ask your child who's four a question about, you know, what they want to do that day. Okay, cool. They're going to give you some funky answer. They're going to want to play some weird game that maybe you've played a thousand times. They're going to want you to do every aspect of it with them, right? That's like the developmental stage of that. Okay, well, if I can bring that same, like, willingness to hold the space as the children age, so it, why is it so well, maybe sometimes it isn't. It seems like sometimes it's easy for us to meet the four-year-old where they are because we see them as a child. We see them as playful. We see them as learning. But then we get to, you know, a 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old and all of a sudden we have this very different perspective of them. Like they're supposed to behave like an adult does, that they should know the answers to all the questions, that they should want the same things that we want. And number, I mean, I hope for my own children. I hope they want exactly what they want. I don't want them to want anything that I want. It's enough for me to decide myself what it is that I want. So being able to hold that same space that, hey, what do you want to do today? And hope. That it's funky and maybe it's unexpected and maybe it's something that you've never tried before, but you're going to get in there and try it because it's going to build the bond and communication between you. I just think we, we shift our perspective around our children and forget that the whole way. They are our teachers. They're helping us see things that we don't see. They're helping us see patterns that we don't have eyes on. They are helping us, if we can create the space for them, they're helping us see how we might be able to become more of ourselves rather than just fit a mold that's expected. And so I think a huge part of it is changing our perspective around what those developmental stages mean what any child throughout those different stages, what they might be going through and just meet them with curiosity. And my intention is to hold space for you to become exactly who it is, God creator, like whatever you believe, whatever, whoever brought you here, what they brought you here for.
0: Yeah. So, so that people can find their purpose and absolutely strengthen the family itself. It is, so extremely interesting to hear you describing these sorts of things in this way i'm wondering about we're all in families from the day we're born we're in families and you know they probably somebody listening to us now talking about this and thinking yeah they're talking about the ideal family but regardless of what state you may think your family is in What would be the first type of steps that you could suggest somebody took in order to get to a better situation, to create a family that was moving towards realizing its total potential?
1: Yeah. My first step is a very easy one, but it ends up being a game changer. Because I think for a lot of us, especially as our children age, there ends up being this sort of like... Um, increasing distance between what we feel like our connection is with them and so my first thing is at start asking questions what we just mentioned start asking questions and make no assumptions about what the answers are going to be if you can start asking questions then you would start asking new questions mm-hmm. Think of like the weirdest thing you might ask your child <laughs> and be open to asking them that about something that happened at school or the way that they study or I mean there's just to hold that space of curiosity of, I want to know you as you are without any preconceived notions about what that might be. So start asking questions. No
0: judgment, basically, I suppose.
1: Without Mm -hmm. judgment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Number two is, and this is maybe a little bit counterintuitive because for many reasons, but we have to be clear that Um, As humans, we are designed for connection, and a huge part of that connection is physical touch. Now, when you have a baby, a toddler, a young child, it almost can be overload on the physical touch at times, right? You're, like, very in contact. But for a variety of reasons, we start creating this physical distance between us and our children as they age, And I would say start reversing that as quickly as you can. I don't care if it's a high five, a hug, a fist bump, a pat on the back, like getting those things in at least once a day, but hopefully even more than that. Our whole entire physical system is designed for that type of connection and we at some point, almost like completely remove it. Like if you have an 18 year old and you think about the last time you hugged your child, I hope it doesn't take you more than one second to remember when that was. And I think for a lot of people, it might be hard to remember when that is. And again, it's it's not because I'm judging any, you know, any person at all just to say that it's this natural evolution. And the more we can get back into physical contact with each other, There's like an almost like snap your fingers instantaneous change in the way that we connect when we have that.
0: It's like one of the things you do because you are part of a family. You don't do it with people who are outside the family. It's a signal, I suppose, that we are part of the same family.
1: A hundred percent, and yeah, and and I'm a safe place for you, and I care about you, and I see you, and when I see you, I think about you, and I give you a pat on the back. Like there's a lot communicated with zero words through those types of actions.
0: Yeah, two very important things that we can all do very easily to help start that process of moving our families towards realizing their total potential. Yeah, Nicole, thank you very much for taking the time to meet with me today and for helping me create such an interesting episode of Fit for My Age. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be here.
0: Thank you. And thank you to you for listening. I am Michael Millward, the Managing Director of Abbasida, and I have been having a Fit for My Age conversation with Nicole Bershbach from thetotalpotential.com. You can find out more about both of us at workworkwork.works. There is a link in the description. I must remember to thank the team at matchmaker.fm for introducing me to Nicole. If you are a podcaster looking for interesting guests, or if like Nicole, you have something very interesting to say, matchmaker is where matches of great hosts and great guests are made. There is a link to matchmaker.fm and an offer code in the description. That description is well worth reading, folks. If you have liked this edition of Fit for My Age, please give it a like and download it so that you can listen at any time, anywhere. To make sure you don't miss out on future editions, please subscribe. And remember, the aim of all the podcasts produced by Abbasida is not to tell you what to think, but we do hope to make you think. Thank you.